Uh, so delighted to be joined by uh, Niall Morgan. Um, Niall, I've kind of been asking everyone I've had on how we've been keeping in lockdowns and in and out within the last year. Uh, how was the year 2020 for you anyways? Not too bad. I, I had a newborn son last January, so I suppose it, it probably came at a, a good time for me because I got to spend a lot of time at, at home with him in comparison to, you know, maybe previous years if I had had a child and you see it the likes of, I suppose, Sean and Colin would have been the two main ones there up at the throne with children and the amount that they maybe missed out on. And I suppose it's, it's maybe why they retired at the age they did. You know, there was, there's years left in both both of them too and maybe retired early because they missed out on that. Uh, whereas I was lucky enough, I got basically, you know, I'm a teacher, so March, April, May, June, July and August all with, with him. And then again now the last sort of six, seven, eight weeks. So I suppose for me, it it wasn't too bad. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's not a great situation to be in. and uh, But... For for me, it probably worked out uh, worked out slightly well. Yeah, because even from the sporting front, you would have been training hard with Tyrone and just before the first lockdown, so it probably was a welcome break just to even get get away from us all just for them two or three months before the the club action resumed. Yeah, like we we were training quite hard with Tyrone as as every year, and whenever uh, Christy was born, and you know you're you're out of the house four, five, six times a week, and you know, so whenever the lockdown hit, I got a lot of time at home and then we, we got that break up until the club season. And then even whenever it started, I was at, basically at home because you, you're, you're obviously not as expected to be out of the house as often. And even whenever the county season hit, it was it was a short season. So you, you didn't mind as much be, being out. And then you weren't allowed your collective gym sessions either. So it was basically a Tuesday and Thursday and, yeah. and once at the weekend. And it, it was like, you know, be, being the same commitment as it is for club, only you're you're up to the county team, so it wasn't too bad. Yeah, so going on to Tyrone, what, what year did you actually join the, the panel in? Started playing in 2013, so I was I was still playing soccer at the time, but just sort of maybe my second or third season as first choice keeper at Dungan Swifts, and was playing outfield for the club, and I was doing that for St Mary's and doing goals for... A, I suppose done nets for throwing their twenty ones and throwing minors, and uh, Mickey decided to to blend the, the outfield and the for the club and the goalkeeping at the soccer, and gave me the opportunity to play for for Tyrone, which I was forever grateful for. Yeah, it's kind of a not not a weird one, but some players do would do it. Like obviously, you're outfield for the the club, and then goalkeeper for Tyrone. Like, how does that even come about? If you like that, the change into a goalkeeper from an outfield player. I think it was it was something I probably realised from I was quite a young age. I'd done goals at soccer from I was probably about eight years of age. I played outfield in my first season, played right wing, but I wasn't overly good. I made a decent team, and then the goalkeeper quit at the end of the season, and the the manager wanted to, like we the the soccer club was quite mixed in terms of community, and I was probably the worst soccer player that was good at Gaelic. And the manager decided to put me in net so I could catch the ball and kick, you know. So, yeah. um, and it, it came about from there. And then I always just used it if I wasn't going to get starting outfield for, you know, be it a, a club team that I was too young for or a school team that I was too young for. I used it as a as a way of getting onto a team. And 
it, it probably just stemmed from there. I'd done goals for the, the school team that won the McCrory Cup and Hogan Cup in 2008. And I was like, I was upper sixth team and I was only fifth year. And then I'd done goals the next year, won the McCrory again. And that was county minor year. And just sort of stemmed, stemmed on from, from a young age of doing goals in soccer. And then that's probably where the, where the kicking off the ground came in. It probably helped me because I was doing it from such a young age. Yeah, do you see it as an advantage to be an outfield player playing in goal? Because you even see it in soccer nowadays over the Premier League that you nearly have to be able to, to play, pass out from the back. And obviously the kickouts now in, in Gaelic football the last 10 years, has, has, I mean, it's a huge part of um, each game now. Definitely, it's a, it's a major, major advantage now because like whenever I started doing goals, that would have, like for... Uh, oldish teams so to speak that would have been 2008 and I broke into the senior club team then that year as well and like I basically played the way I play now for, for Tyrone where I was sort of sweeping in around the back and you know it was kind of you know you're getting funny looks whenever you're carrying the ball out and you know at that yeah. stage keepers were still you know just especially at club level setting the ball down and just yeah. hitting it as far as they could to their their, their midfielders and I suppose I was starting to hit short kickouts from the end at, at club level and you know the cornerbacks might not thank me for it too much but uh, that's basically you know how it all started but it's a huge advantage if you're if you're comfortable getting the ball and it's it's a great outlet for the for the outfielders as well especially whenever the the press is coming on like like it is nowadays. Yeah do you feel extra pressure or do you, do you enjoy the that being on the ball more, obviously, probably as an outfield player, you, you do like to, obviously, we see that in, in games to come out and um, even show your talents uh, with the kickouts and, and the free-taking free as well. Uh, if if uh, a manager ever came to me and said, look, we want you just to stay behind the 13, I, I just wouldn't play anymore. I just, you know, <laughs> there's yeah, yeah, no yeah. point in saying any different. Uh, I would struggle to just stand in behind the... The thirteen stay on my line and and do just a basic goalkeeping job. It just well, would really find that difficult, so it, it wouldn't be for me. Yeah, from from the kickout sort of strategy, like would you go into a game suit an opposition say at Dublin and Brian Fenton's out in the middle? Like, would you be aiming for cornerbacks with the whether there's a press on you? Or are you aiming for zones? Like, how how do you approach a, a kickout? Would say. Uh, uh, I suppose there, there's always sort of players that you want to avoid. Fenton would be one of them. David Moran from Kerry is another one. You know, um, Galway had big midfielders there for a couple of years as well. Mm -hmm. If Murphy's out around the middle for Donny Gall, you're looking to avoid these sort of people. Yeah. And, um, I suppose then it is a case of trying to get the short kick out of the way. This year, maybe not so much because we couldn't get the ball back as easy, so you, you weren't taking as big a risk anymore. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, you're, you're trying to avoid... Uh, the, the bigger players and pick zones and probably find mismatches but the, the way the game's going you know most players are around six foot now and you know you don't get too many mismatches they're all athletic and good in the air and all it takes now is for a player to break the ball they don't have to catch it anymore because the, yeah. the other players are in around that quick and uh, especially you know the further you go in championships or the better teams you play the, the better their press is and you know, we've seen this year we, we didn't do well against Donegal at all in the two games in the in the in Bally Buffet at the end of the year in terms of kickouts and you know partly down to the fact that it's a smaller pitch and, and they were able to press a bit harder probably and cover all the zones a lot easier, but also the fact that they had, you know, maybe four or five men stand at six foot two, three, four in the
middle of the field win whenever you want long. Yeah, and then 2016, you got your first Ulster title against um, Donegal, and that was a that was a great game. Peter Hart got um, that that wonder point at, at the end. Yeah, it was it was probably even even more special for me because I think Donegal had been a bit of a bogey team for me personally. That yeah. like the year I made my debut in 2013, it probably was the 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 biggest moment in my career in terms of how much I had to mature, um, and. And uh, so it was kind of the day that I felt like uh, I got over it. So it, it was it was a sweet one for me personally. Yeah, and then probably disappointed. Then you you, you lose to Mayo as as Mayo, or probably that bit, probably at that stage they were just that bit more experienced in that that quarter final. Then it was our game and it was just going to happen and especially after beating Donegal who, who as I say were a bit of a hoodoo for us back then uh, we think you know as you said experience did or our inexperience probably uh, told because we, we weren't as mentally and then we lost Sean just after half time in that game and we felt that a few a few calls went or, went against us But there was absolutely of losing overall. We had plenty of opportunities. I had a free kick right at the very end to equalise it that I missed, and darn it, a free or a shot from play after that he missed as well. Like, and we had our opportunities. And I think I was actually talking to somebody about this recently. That you know that day when we got the free kick at the end, I remember going up to hit it and looking across and seeing Sean sitting and uh, like he wasn't even on the sub bench. He was just sitting at the side of the field and thinking I'm going to do this for him. And I suppose. At that stage, I took my mind off what I was actually meant to be doing, uh, which then naturally affected affected my kick. And again, I think that sort of taught me a bit of a lesson as well that, you know, focus on, on your own job and, and don't worry about other people. Yeah, and then obviously you backed that up the following year again and you, you go one better, you get to the semi-final. And it was it was against Dublin and it was, there was a lot of hype going into that one, actually, if I remember at the, at the time, Dublin... And you were playing well, like I think he's beaten our man in the quarter final. Yeah, well, we we beat our man in the quarter final, and you know I think that time our really fancied themselves to, to overturn us again. We beat a uh, we had won Ulster, and I think did we beat Donegal in the semi final that year? Then we we beat down, down yeah. and you know down sort of fancied themselves to beat us. We had so much confidence that day, and then our were sort of. Uh, primed to beat us as well and everybody was sort of talking about the Mayo game the last year and how we, mm. we crumbled in the quarterfinal. We used all that experience and we beat Armagh well and then we were looking at Dublin in the semi-final and again we probably thought that this was just a natural progression. We've got to the semi-final now, we, we'll beat uh, Dublin and we get into the final and we'll sort of stop them from, from continuing their dominance and we sort of felt it was our rite of passage and again you know, inexperience again uh, told and uh, we, we had sort of spoke in the pre-game. That was the time of Dermot Connolly, wasn't it? The whole time he was making his return, I think. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. You know, that was dominating a lot of the, the talk uh, at that stage as well. And 
I remember having her meeting the night before and talking about, you know, uh, what Dublin could bring to the game. And we felt like we had everything that we needed to, to shut it down. And again, I talk about it uh, all the time. The one thing that we didn't talk about was what, what if Dublin score a goal? You know, in the first twenty seconds, yeah, <laughs> or yeah. the first couple of minutes, like, and O'Callaghan got the ball, and, and Dublin never looked back after that. You know, they they got the lead, and they just sapped up our energy, and they just kept tapping over points and tapping over points, and basically said, "Look, as long as you don't get a goal, we're we're going to win this game." Like, and you know, they they were in so much control that whole game that the the goal just really knocked us for six, and you know, then I suppose. Uh, we we were all mightily disappointed, but we we knew we we weren't massively far away. Yeah, Dublin, one of those teams that, that they're so difficult to play because they can play any sort of game. They can play the, the possession game. They can go toe to toe. If they want, to, if you want to go defensive, they'll try and break you down. Like and especially if you give them a lead like he did that day, it, it's very hard to claw back. Yeah, look, I think like what what makes Dublin better than everybody else is the fact that they play their game and it doesn't matter whether you put 15 men inside your 45 and try to stop them from scoring or if you go and play 15 on 15 or no matter what style they will play their game and you know they execute the basics well all the time like Dublin don't I think what, what people sort of forget is and the talk about Dublin at the minute and how it's unfair and split Dublin in two and you know I actually just laugh it off and think how ridiculous some people are when they talk Dublin have 15 players on the pitch at each time yeah. that just do the basics right they don't have a player that kicks points from 50 metres they don't have a player that kicks an outside of the boot pass 60 metres into space they don't have anybody that does anything like over and beyond what they need to do. They just do the basics right all the time. It's a team game and not one of them goes seeking more credit than the other. And I think that's what people forget. Like if there was a club team dominating like that, this like Corfin, that's what their players do. They do the basics right all the time. Not nobody tries to outdo somebody else. It's just constantly do the basics, work the ball through the lines wait for the opportunity to shoot. Don't shoot from a silly place. And, you know, it's it sounds too simple to be true, but it's so effective and it works all the time. Yeah, because I even say you can have all the money in, in the world if you want and the best facilities and all that, but if you don't have the players to execute and put in the, the hard work, and as you said there, the basics, you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, 100%. Like, I'm, I'm a Man United supporter and, you know, a lot of people will, will, will laugh at me for that at the minute, but... Like Man United are probably one of the richest teams in the world. Mm. They've got players that are getting paid more than anybody else in the world, but they're not winning. And the reason why they're not winning is because the the mentality of, is more about individuals at the minute than than it is about the team collective. And you know, the, there's finger pointing at who who's to blame for what, and you know, there's constantly speculation over who's going to leave. You know, whereas if you look at say Man City like nobody's talking about De Bruyne leaving nobody's talking mm-hmm. about Sterling leaving nobody's talking about Aguero leaving like it's it's just such a team mentality that you know even whenever the chips were down there before Christmas you know it's you know Guardiola just protected his players a bit like Ferguson did whenever you know United were winning you know it was just such a team mentality and if you didn't want to be part of the team you can leave you know it's yeah. it's really simple and that seems to be the way of it in Dublin you never hear of any you know, 
anything coming out of the camps, like uh, I know within Throne, like you're always hearing rumours of did such and such leave the panel or did such and such have a riot train? And you're going, no, it didn't happen. But yeah. you know, it's there's probably a bit of uh, truth somewhere in the rumour, not the entire rumour, but you never hear of that coming out of Dublin. And <coughs> and I suppose that's that's part of the reason why they're so successful. Yeah, the following year then. You lose to Monaghan in the, you know, I think it was in, in Oma they, by, by a couple of points and it's probably the worst possible start and you have to go you face the qualifiers. But Tyrone are one of these counties and that, that like the qualifiers, um, it seems. Yeah, we, we got absolutely, I think, was it maybe four points that day, but it was a four-point mm. hammering. Like, and, yeah. You know, we were, we were never uh, competing in that, we win it. And we went into the qualifiers, and I think it was maybe this. This is probably one of my pet hits about the qualifiers is that, you know, we always felt like we were good enough to get a run through the qualifiers, and sometimes it played in the back of your mind that you thought, "Ah, oh, sure, who cares if, if we get beat? You know, we can go on the road here and get a few nights mm, away, and yeah. you know, we can go and enjoy a few games, and and we'll get to where we need to be with with a wee bit less stress." And I think that that mindset set into a few of us, and. You know, there's there's no point in me sitting here saying that it wasn't me because it, it did. It played in the back of your mind that you were sort of looking at the, the Ulster draw and you were thinking we have to beat Monaghan and then we have to beat maybe a Down or Armagh or Derry in another hell for leather game and then we have to play a Donegal in the final in, in another hell for leather game. And that only gets us to the same place where if we beat, you know, two Division four teams, a Division three team and a Division two team. You know, and you were sort of thinking like, what what's the easier route here? Like, and, you know, we get away, we get the team bomb, we get the... You know, we get to get the team together and we get to work on new things and there's there's less pressure on it. And we probably thrived in that. And that's that was just the, the way we we went for a few years. And we knew that Trone could win all Ireland's going through the back door as well. So yeah. we didn't have that fear factor that other, other teams have. Yeah, but I mean, you look at the first game against me, it, it could have ended very quickly because I think, I think it was Colin McShane that got an equaliser to send it even just to extra time that that. Uh, yeah, I remember I, I was I was named to start that day. Uh, we we the team was named on the Thursday night, and I remember we travelled down. Me and Mickey O'Neill were the two goalkeepers at the time, and we were big buddies. Uh, and we we sat together on the bus. We roomed together. Um, we we lived reasonably close at at home. And on the the Friday night, we had a team meeting, and at eleven o'clock, the meeting was over. And and Mickey Hart pulled me aside and said, "Look, you're you're not playing tomorrow." I'm playing Mickey and I sort of just nodded and said, yeah, look, that's grand. You're, you're the manager, blah, blah. It, it wasn't until I went back to the room that it actually hit me what he had said. You know, and I was absolutely, mm. I was furious because, you know, it didn't feel like it was the right time to be to be told. You know, I'm, I was mature enough at that stage to be told before the team was named that I wasn't going to be playing. And, um. I did take it bad and I had words with Mickey the next morning and not bad words, but we, we spoke it out and I just sort of asked him that if I ever wasn't to be playing again, that I would find out, you know, prior to the team being named and, you know, I, I was man enough to take it. And then whenever I asked Mickey O'Neill when he found out, he had found out on the Thursday before training. So <laughs> that, that added fuel to the fire and they, he actually... Mickey O'Neill said that it was the most awkward bus journey and overnight he had ever had because he, he didn't know if I knew and he wasn't allowed to tell me. Like uh, so, it, it was it was awkward, but 
uh, after that, uh, we always knew where we stood, you know, the Thursday before training. And I think, yeah. uh, you know, standing up for myself at that stage probably also changed me in terms of my, my leadership role within the, the team and uh, definitely gave me more confidence to speak out if, if there was something that I didn't agree with. Yeah, because goalkeeper is one of those uh, positions you don't want to be changing too often. I think it's, you know, you see it in soccer as well. It's one of those that you'd only change it unless you probably necessarily have to go near it. Yeah, like I was just used to always playing, I suppose. And even, uh, I think it was, you know, was the black card brought on. I think it was 2014, I think it was. Uh, that, yeah. I, I got the black card in the first round of Ulster and Mickey O'Neill came on. And uh, probably, you know, was caught off guard at the fact that, you know, you're, you're not expecting to come on as a goalkeeper. And I think that's what annoyed me so much about that mm. uh, night in Meath was that you had to be in a whole new time, uh, mind frame in terms of you, you were no longer starting. You were probably starting to think about, right, who's the penalty takers? You know, if I'm coming on, it's going to be a penalty to face. You know, and I think ever since that day that I got the black card, Mickey started to rotate us in the league. And... Uh, like uh, we, neither of us were ever really comfortable because you could have a great game and you knew you would be on the bench the next day yeah. or you could have a bad game and think you were dropped you know it was always forever yeah. playing in your head what was going on and even you know as you say like soccer again looking at Solskjaer was talking about Henderson this week and he said like he's the most impatient person he's ever met but like that's yeah. The life of a goalkeeper, you know that there's probably a very limited chance of you being substituted on, and it's very individual in that aspect, which which made it very hard and even harder that night in me. And I suppose to go back to your original question, it was that that day was probably the closest we've ever came to an upset. Uh, you know, in in terms of a game that we really thought we could win, we got beat by our man twenty fourteen the back door, but that was a game that you know we we just weren't. And in the main frame for it at all, the Meath game we were we were up for it and we we were ready to go, but they just outfought us, I suppose, on the day, and we we did get a, a bit of a great escape, like in terms of Cahill's last minute point, and then they actually had an opportunity, I think, to to win it, and did they have the opportunity in extra time or something? Was there a member of the left footer free kick taker hit the post? I think it was after Cahill scored they got a free kick. Yeah, and the left footer kick taker hit the post, and I remember being right behind it and thinking, if this goes over, like, you know, we're we're only at the start of of July here, and the, the year's over. Like, you know, yeah. what am I going to do the rest of the year, sort of thing? And it hit the post and went wide, and and we we end up going a bit of a run then after it. Yeah, because you bet Carlo, Cavan, Cork convinced me enough, so not not a bad run, get the momentum going. The, the super race um, come. I kind of asked Enda Smith when I had him on, like, do you prefer the Super 8s or rather the, the knockout, say, straight knockout quarterfinal in, in Crow Park? Oh, straight knockout all day long. I, I, if, yeah. if I had it my way, you'd play the league and then there'd be 32 teams put in the hat. And just if you're beat, you're beat. And no back yeah. door. And I just think it would add so much to the appeal of Gaelic football again. I, I said to somebody else, imagine like a, you know, a Trone v Kerry first round of, of the last 32 and, and putting in somewhere like uh, Nolan Park or something and, and filling it out and knowing that, you know, yeah. if you're bait, you know, your year's over. I just think it would add so much. I think Super 8 was a good idea in, in theory, but it just became such so much like dead rubber games and 
you wouldn't get the same atmosphere and people were saying, oh, we'll not go to the first one and we might go to the second. And, yeah. you know, and you can't blame them because the money it costs to follow a county team is, is crazy because if, if you go to games, it's either a long distance travel or it might be an overnight stay. And if you've got, say, two or three children, then you have tickets to get in, yeah. then you've got food. Like, it's it's just not what it used to be, you know, where the children were 16 went free and, you know, it was maybe a tenner for the adults. You know, you have yeah. so much more to take into consideration. <laughs> yeah, because that first game, I'm from Roscommon and we obviously played uh, Tyrone in Crow Park that, that, that very first uh, year of the Super 8s. And it was kind of, it was an empty Crow Park and it was just a... Uh, Probably for you playing, and it was just a boring enough game. Rather, if that was in Hyde Oma or a neutral venue, maybe like a Port Leash, twenty thousand there, you would have had so much much better of an atmosphere. Yeah, I just that's another thing. I don't really understand why the Super Eight games have to be in Crook Park because you're never going to fill it out anyway. So, yeah. as you say, why not take it to if you're going to play in a neutral venue? Why not take it somewhere that you know right? And what what sort of crowd's going to be at this game? Let's fill that stadium or. You know, and you know, they try to do the double headers to get a bigger crowd, but again, like Trone Virus Common, is it going to get loads of neutrals? Probably not. So, why not take it to you know, your even Breffney Park? You know, that's yeah. that's going to be rightly filled out and, and you're going to get a good crowd, or you know, you have to take them sort of things for into consideration. And even then, it gets the town of Cavan, it gets a bit of a buzz around it for yeah. a day or two. And, you know, I think the, the GA has lost sort of touch of that. They're, they're so obsessed with using Croke Park at the minute that, you know, I think it's it's actually ruining the 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 aura around playing in Croke Park. Like, you know, it's it's becoming not yeah. as special, I suppose, like, which yeah. it should be. If you're playing Croke Park, it would be a real special occasion, like, and it's it's actually losing that, that bit of touch. Yeah, because we kind of, with the two years Super 8s were, there was only really two games, Johnny Gall were involved in both, with against Mayo, in was it 2019 and then against yourselves us in Valley Cafe that, that day so the, the, the decider that's the, the positive way if you look at it if you get a decider like that on the last day and, and you managed to get out on top in that one Yeah that was our first victory in Valley Cafe and I'm, I'm not sure how long especially in a championship game it was uh, like I said earlier on about 2016 being special if ever there was a day of, of exercising demons it was uh, that Super 8 game and it was mm-hmm. just like the atmosphere that day was electrifying. It was a real hot, sunny day. Again, mm. if that game had been in Crook Park, there yeah. definitely wouldn't have been as much, uh, there wouldn't have been as, as romantic, so to speak, in, in terms of of the, the feeling you got by doing it uh, or by, play, by playing there. Um, and it was just, it was so special, like, and, and getting that victory and, and going on then to, and knowing that it meant something, like, you know, and that, like, that should have been a quarter final. That should have been the game that, you know, it was a straight knockout game. I know yeah. it had that feel to it, but as you say, like how many of them games have we have we came across in the Super H yet? And it's it's very limited. Yeah, you get through that, and again, Monaghan's another thing, uh, team you have come across in the actually All Ireland stages, and again, you, you managed just to scrape over that one by by a point. Yeah, again, I suppose like we we always seem to struggle more against Monaghan whenever it's in the, the Ulster side of things, yeah. and even in the league, we always seem to struggle against them. But for some reason. Again, going into that day, it was a bit like the game in 2013. We played them in the in the championship and even again after that, I think. And we, we just had a world of confidence about us. McManus was on fire that whole summer and it was just the yeah. case. So we just felt on that day that if we, we, we stopped him 
that we would we would win. And like I think I can't remember whether it was McNamee or, or Hamsey marked him that day, but like I think it was McNamee and he, he done everything he could and, and more and McManus still got seven points. Mm. You know, and that's just the player Conor McManus is. Now Monaghan are starting to come a whole lot better in terms of the they have a lot more players coming through and they're, they're just not a, a, a one-trick pony uh, as we sort of seen them uh, on that day. But uh, we we just had so much confidence going into the game and we, we got over the line. And, you know, I don't know whether I would, be, would have been as confident playing them again this year. But uh, I suppose you take every game as it comes. And, and they would have been going in thinking the same, that it was there. A bit like us in, in 2017 going into the semi-final, they'd have been thinking, right, this is our time to to get overthrown in, in, in a semi-final and you know that, that experience will stand in the next time it comes around Yeah I mean the, the final itself probably again obviously a disappointment any time you lose a final um, and you got off to a good start as well you had Dublin it was a 5-1 at a stage or something in that first 15 minutes and you seem to be just settled very well Yeah it's that, like whenever you're younger you always dream of, of playing in all Ireland finals and you know again then experience probably told that day that we got the five one up and I, I remember looking up and thinking this this is it I'm gonna win all Ireland today this is what mm, it's what it's yeah. all about and then uh, we had a wide and then I had two or three really bad kickouts one of them ended up in a penalty you know and uh, we we just there's, there's no other way of saying it. We crumbled between probably the 19th, 19th minute and half time. And we, you know, looking back on it, you know, we were, we were naive and thought that we could just continue to play the same way. And again, going back to what I'd said earlier, we were, Dublin just continued to play the same way. They didn't panic. They waited for their chances and the chances came for them. And um, that's, that's why they're, Undoubtedly, the the greatest team there there ever has been. Like you know, and there, there's there's no other way way about it. Yeah, is there? I mean, maybe fear factor is the wrong word or whatever. But you've seen Terry be a point up going into injury time. Mayo have pushed them so close. Like, are they one of those teams that you just think is it actually going to happen today for us? Because if they get a run on you, it's it's very hard to stop them. It's it's probably a bit weird because every time I play Dublin, I think that we're we're gonna win, you know. Yeah. And yeah. It's a like, and we have beaten them in the league a few times since I've started playing. And but their mentality, like, I I call them mentality monsters because they're just so. It doesn't matter what's happening. As, yeah. as I've said a few times, it doesn't matter, you know, if they're behind. You know, you look at the All Ireland final, uh, not uh, twenty nineteen man down at half time yeah. you know even going into the last few minutes they're getting beat and Dean Rock has a chance to win it at the very end you know and probably if Croke Park had a, had grass you know another three or four steps back for him yeah. to, to get his proper run up he, he nails that every day of the week you know and uh, then they go on and win the replay and like they just they just never look under pressure it's just a case of you know no matter what happens we have, we have dealt with this scenario and, and we know that that you know, we're, we're going to get the outcome we desire. But like sooner or later, that will come to a head and, and somebody will beat them and then somebody else will get a bit more belief. And, you know, maybe that day when we were 5-1 up, we should have slowed the game down a wee bit more, maybe a few injuries and stuff and, you know, add up the clock a little bit. And we again, we'll have that 
that experience the next time if we, we, we get to that stage again that you know we'll maybe have a bit more ideas what what we have to do again looking at the 2020 final Mayo are ahead they have a few opportunities to score yeah. how many balls did they drop short in the, in the Cluxon's hands it must have been six or seven throughout the game you know and, and Mayo mm. don't do that you know they like and again like they should have the experience but this year they brought through so many young players that that's going to stand to them as well whenever it, it comes to it. But, you know, it's just Dublin seemed to, to get the right blend between, you know, bringing through the right number of players each year. They never seem to have a big overturn in their squad, but there's always somebody new, you know, yeah, come, yeah. comes in and, and plays. And, you know, they might be a bit part player this year and they're building up their experience. And next, you know, next year they're a starter. You know, and like you look at uh, Bugler, uh, Bulger, I'm not even sure how, how it's pronounced, but, you know, last year was a bit part player and this year he's one of their main men. You know, and that's just the, the way they, they seem to go and it's just constantly building up. Yeah, and then the year just gone by, you said they're 2020. Um, again, it was mixed. You, you, did, you did stay up in the end into, in Division 1, which is probably a, a key target every year to, to maintain Division 1. And then... Uh, the Donegal nearly got the dress rehearsal in the in the league the couple of weeks before that, and then the actual championship game, and again, kind of one that could have went either way, and it just went with Donegal that day. Yeah, look, we we went into the first game against Donegal in the league, knowing that we had to win either that game or the Mayo game to stay mm. up, and we decided, well, the the management decided to go a flat fifteen behind the ball, and we're not giving anything away, and you know. Did we agree with it? Not entirely. Did we get on with it? Yes, because you do what you're told. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, it didn't work out for us at all. Uh, in the league game, we went to Mayo the next week and done the complete opposite and just went hell for leather. And we, we got our, I think we just escaped a one-point victory, you yeah. know, it kept us up. Um, I think a draw would have done us anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. But we, we did, a, we, we sort of, we escaped it. That was a real windy day. And then we went back to Ballybuffet the next week with a different game plan and, you know, a few, few different things went against us in terms of, like, we're, we're so close to getting that goal in the second half uh, that I think would have flipped the game a wee bit more. But again, like, I, I'm a big believer in if you get beat, you get beat because the other team's better than you. I, I, I don't blame referees. I, I have no belief in luck at all. I just think it's a case of... The, the best team wins and Donegal were the best team on the day and I know afterwards there was a bit of talk about how rough they were but at the end of the day like you send out your man markers to rough up the all player it doesn't matter whether you're you know Tyrone or whether you're Donegal Dublin do it Kerry do it like so to hear you know a bit of complaints about how rough uh, you know Donegal were from, from different sections of I suppose our support as well like and you were thinking like what do you think was happening to to their best players, like you know, it's mm, and if we yeah, had a one yeah, Donegal, yeah. Donegal would have come out with the same thing, you know, or oh, the roughed up Murphy or the roughed up uh, whoever. Like that's that that's what goes on in the GA now at the minute, and uh, that's what happens. Like you just have to get on with it. Yeah, is it hard to go from system to system, or do you like that to have a different game plan for each game, or would you rather say we're going to play this way and let them worry about us? Uh, well, I would be a big believer in finding your own plan that suits your own team. And, you know, like, again, going back to them, the Dublin chop and change and decide they're going to, you know, work to suit the other team. Yes, they're man markers and everybody has man markers and they get their job done. But, yeah. you know, 
if you you have to be fit to you know yes you need different plans for different stages of the game but predominantly you need to be thinking about what suits you and and how best effective your team is if you've got six great forwards and you're playing with uh, two sweepers you're you're losing out on on having that threat which straight away gives our team an, an attacking uh, uh, mismatch basically because they've got two extra players coming from from their back lane and it sets uh, the tone for them they can even leave a man back and have cover while still having that extra man going forward which creates overlaps up the pitch but again it's it, it depends on on uh, the stages of the game as well you have to be able to retreat at times and soak up a bit of energy and but I, I I would like to see a bit more of, of an attacking side of side of our team. I think we've got the players there, and it sort of annoyed me every year that we, whatever stage we got beat, it was always oh, because thrown down of a forward line, and you were looking at our bench and you were looking around the county and you were thinking, oh yeah, he, oh we, we do have forwards, we we have loads of them, but it's getting them onto the pitch at the right time, and you know maybe maybe that's something that you know we we will be looking at, but. Again, I, I don't pick the team. I just play and do do what I'm told, and that, that's the way it is. Yeah, obviously there is a change in management now. Mickey Hart did step away uh, at the end of last year. Like, did, will he? Did he even get the credit he probably deserves for the longevity, whatever, how many years it was? Maybe I don't know. Was it within the county or even outside the uh, the country itself? Like, people probably do forget that the first ten years, rather than they look back, maybe the last five, six, seven years. Yeah, I suppose it's a bit like the the Batman quote: "You either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become yeah. a villain." Like, and it's a, it's a bit like that. Like, you know, did he overstay his welcome? That's that's not for me to decide. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to play for Throne. Mickey Hart gave me the chance to play for Throne, and I'll be forever grateful for that. Um, well, will I leave because he's not there? No, I, I'm still going to play for Throne. Mm, you know, at the yeah. end of the day. I'm I'm there to play for Throne. I'm not there to play for any specific manager. Um, what Mickey Hart brought to Throne in terms of like for a county that had lost two All Ireland finals, only two, you know, had only got the two All Ireland finals, and yeah. and whatever amount of years to turn around and win three in in a period of six years, you know, nobody will ever get enough credit for that, you know, and in in years to come, whenever you know we're all gone and it's only record books, you know. People will look back and they'll not even know who the players were, never mind the manager, and they'll just see it thrown one three all irons and you know, and that's I suppose one of the players that that played in them them teams and, and played with me at the start as well told me, look, whenever you retire, you know you're you're forgotten about within the night time. Like you know, you get your it's sad to see him go, but once you're gone, that's it, and nobody remembers you. And you know, I'm forever grateful for Mickey. What he's done, but he, he'll never get the credit that that he, he's due in terms of them all Ireland successes. Yeah, and then in terms of the new management team, probably um, a freshness to the, the the camp, and you're probably looking forward to, to working uh, under Fergal Logan and uh, Brian Doher. Yeah, like you know, for, uh, Brian, I suppose captain to throw the two All Irelands. You know, he's you know if you want a role model, you know mm-hmm. you, you've got it. Then you've got. Fergal, who was a throne stalwart as well, and just the absolute ultimate gentleman. I've had a number of run-ins with Fergal in terms of you know chats outside of football, and you know just you will you will never meet a, a nicer man, and 
at the same time somebody who will tell you how it is. You know, the the first time we met since he became throw manager, you know, it was this is where we see you. You know, this is where you have to make improvements. Um, and you know that's something that you can't uh, un- underestimate as well. Like you know, if, if somebody new is coming in, it would be easy for them to look at, I suppose, me as somebody that's experienced and say, yeah, we're happy with you just to, to stay as number one. But it, it wasn't the case at all. It was you know you've 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 things that you can improve on in your game, and and this is where we need you to go. And uh, you've got somebody behind you that's that's not far away. And if you want to keep your position, this you know this is what's expected. And Brian's the same, very straight talking. I'd never had I'd never had a conversation with Brian until, you know, he, he joined up with Fergal as joint managers. And again, very straight talking, gentleman, won't be afraid to tell you how it is. And then then you look at the backroom team and you've got, you know, three men with all Ireland medals as well, who have the ultimate respect all around the county. Uh, Peter Donnelly, to have that man back is, is massive. None of the players wanted the same goal. Whenever he left, you know there were there were a lot of background things going on there, um, and for for to get him back with a year of working with Ulster under his belt, a year working with another county, you can already see the change in him. Uh, Joe McMahon coming in with county experience again, ultimate gentleman, uh, and somebody who won't be afraid to, to tell you how it is too. And then Collie Holmes, who I'd never really spoke to beforehand as well, and what probably one of the most underrated throne players. To, to win all Ireland just went went through without people really asking any questions about what what role he was doing, and then to win a championship with Dungannon last year, which was you know a real outside bet. So that shows the sort of pedigree he's bringing in, and you know to have a, a, a team of five like that is just huge for the county and huge for the players, and the excitement is just through the roof at the minute. Yeah, because it's a, it's a clean slate for fellas who weren't. Or might might be getting a look in even outside the panel, and yeah, they're, they're probably looking to impress straight away in that first training session, and maybe just give that that I suppose people say the manager bounce, but players are eager to in, to impress. Yeah, look, uh, the way we sort of looked at it was no nobody was nobody's position was safe, and you know there's players that have left the panel over the last couple of years for a variety of reasons. They're coming back; they want to be involved. You've got players around the county, as you said, that maybe didn't get a look in under the previous management that are now getting seen. And, you know, you've got a couple of the boys from Dungannon that won the championship last year in. And it's it's just, you know, you can feel the, the everything building. like, And we're, we're just hoping that we can then, you know, show on the pitch the, the respect that we have for the M boys and, you know, the work that, that they're putting in behind the scenes that, that it follows through. Obviously, we're, we're not getting the train at the minute, which is... You know, it's. I wouldn't say disappointing because there's a, a whole lot bigger things going on that that stops yeah. that. But you know, we're we're already far more active during this lockdown than we were during last lockdown in terms of team meetings and you know doing that sort of thing. Which you know, it's it just shows the 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 work ethic that them men have behind them and and what they want to achieve and join them join the team. Yeah, so we wrap up with a few questions people sent in. Uh, first one would have been, I suppose, we'll combine it into two. Your favourite save and favourite score you've, you've had in your, your career. Uh, favourite save would probably be going back to... Uh, I, don't, I didn't... 
It's hard to know. I haven't really thought, thought about that mm, one before. Yeah. Uh, probably uh, Michael Murphy's penalty in my debut year uh, in, in the league, 2013, uh, saving his penalty because of who he was and you know the respect that I have for him and the esteem that I hold him in to, to, then to, to save his penalty at a, an important time of the game. And, it was huge for me, obviously, again, didn't didn't cover myself in glory after it, but, um, but that was massive for me. And then my favourite score would be against Kerry in the, the semi-final defeat in 20, uh, 2015. I scored a free kick from out near the sideline, the 45, and that, that sort of st- sticks out in my head. Uh, how do you improve the distance of your free kicks off the ground? It's a, that is a question I get asked quite frequently and there's only one way of answering it. It's just absolute practice. Mm. You know, it's like asking how do you get good at maths in school or how do you get good at, you know, creative writing or whatever. It's it's a, it's down to practice and, and uh, you know, people sort of say, how do you score 45? Well, before you score 45, you have to score from the 21 and, and move yeah. your way out. So suppose it's, it's starting off close to the goals, getting your uh, your technique right and and then working your way back with, with the harder strike. Um, a typical training week during lockdown. <laughs> You're going to sink me here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, 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 is this the training week that I'm meant to be having? Yeah, you're meant to be having, or you can make one up or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I suppose uh, for me it would be just like, you'd, you'd be trying to get onto the pitch at least two times to do a bit of running and, and into the gym maybe three times to, to do just your your weight weight stuff and your uh, mobility work. And at the minute, I don't really do much kicking because just the weather's horrible for it. If I'm yeah. getting outside, it's let's get this running session done as quickly as I can. And during the last lockdown, I took in to the, the run the roads and I was up to about half marathon distance. So uh, I'm hoping this lockdown ends pretty quick because I don't want to be back at that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, what do you prefer? Is it um, being a goalkeeper or playing outfield? Definitely playing outfield. If, if I had the opportunity to play outfield for Toronto, I, would have, I definitely would have took it. So uh, I, I would prefer to play outfield, yeah. Uh, most memorable victory? That uh, Donegal Super 8s or else the Ulster final against Donegal, one of the two. Uh, yeah, and... Well, how often in a normal year? This is the last one. How often do you do you work on your kicking? Uh, I suppose like we're we're already out of the house quite a bit, you know, with training. So I always tried to, you know, prior to training, whenever boys are hitting shots or whatever, I tried to work on my kickouts. Then send the ball back out. So I'd always have my tee set down and, and be practicing uh, striking off the tee at that stage. And then after training, I would have stayed for. You know, a certain amount of kicks, and you know, I would always try to finish with five forty fives in a row. You know, and and work my way up. So if I scored five in a row, I'd try to get six and seven and eight and so on. And me and Benny uh, Gallon have a, had a competition going there for throughout the year where we we have one kick each. Then at the end to you know, in, in terms of competition, and you only get one each, and and it's, it's we we kept the score. So that that adds a bit of competition side to it. Uh, yeah, it's supposed to finish up the, the year twenty twenty one. We don't know when exactly Intercounty will start or what structure it will be but in a normal world where there's a league and championship what would be the, the aims this year? As, as I said probably at the very start of the podcast like the aims to win you know win every game and 
you know, I, I really wouldn't play if, if I didn't think a throne could go an unbeaten season, which we we have never done that, obviously. Mm. Uh, while I was there, uh, I, I, I wouldn't play, and we, we'll have the aims again this year to do it. Whether we can, you know, sometimes it, it is out of your hands. Sometimes all teams just play better, and sometimes they're, they're better prepared. And you know, hopefully this year we, we'll be in a position where we're the best prepared team to to launch an attack against the the bigger teams. And I suppose we have a lot to prove in terms of, you know, have we beat a, a Dublin, a Kerry, or a Mayo in a big game? Not not since I've started to play. So you know, that's something that we we probably need to look at and, and rectify before we we think about winning winning trophies. Brilliant, Niall. Well, thanks very much for for coming on, and uh, best of luck for the year ahead. No problem. Thank you.